Hey, Doug. Hey, Karen, and hey, listeners. Happy August. What's going on? We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Cruising. Cruising. Um, so yeah. It's been a it's been a time. Uh yeah. But um I mean every week is a time, isn't it? Every week is indeed a time. So uh yeah, how are how are things? Oh, things are pretty good. Uh, had a birthday this weekend. Yeah, that's right. How did I mean, you have a good time? We did. Yeah, we watched um a couple really good movies. It was a almost entirely Italian weekend. We watched the original Godfather, and then the next night we watched Goodfellas, and then we went out to a restaurant I really love um in midtown called quality italian that does some really awesome special things they do like essentially a pie out of chicken parm which is amazing um and they make this really good like lobster pasta that they flambe right next to the table and it was it was like still set like none of the liquor was absorbed like we got drunk just inhaling the sauce it was boozy um yeah like it did not cook through but such is life and um yeah so watch those and also watch boogie nights so those are three of my favorite movies and uh i had wanted my fiance to see all of them um and so she did and that was um that was cool that was about the extent of like the truly fun stuff that we did uh we did also watch a couple more episodes of yellowstone we've now seen almost all the episodes that exist as we anticipate season five Oh, it's been it. When is season five supposed to be coming? November. November. Okay. Yeah. And when is Succession coming back? I think the end of next season, like April or May of 2023. <gasps> what? Why would they do that to us? To win Emmys is my guess. To be closer to Emmys buzz time. By the uh, way, they're no. apparently filming scenes uh, just a couple blocks away from us this week. I think you need to take some time off of work and go no, sit on the street no. and watch. And you know, do you know what's even worse? I can't, I'm not even working remotely. I'll be in an office. I can't what? even get there. So, Oh, yeah. man. Are you like back full time? No, one or two days a week. But they I happen to be like the one or two days that, that we you're working. Oh, that's such a bummer. But you know what? Tomorrow, Alyssa will be home. So maybe she can go. She, she's going to go. She's we'll going to take lots back. of pictures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I may have to leave work if she gets arrested. So we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. Um, and speaking of Goodfellas, because, well, he's better known for Sopranos, was also on Goodfellas. Uh, we also walked by our neighbor, Michael Imperioli, who is oh, in Goodfellas. I don't know Michael um, lived near you. He does. Well, we didn't realize it for a while. Like every now and then we'll see someone and then we don't realize, oh, they live near us until we've seen them a bunch of times. And then we finally put it together. <laughs> but but that was pretty much it. Back to Yellowstone. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there was a little uh, f- faux controversy around Yellowstone this week. Um, I mean, it's not controversial to me, but I understand that the the show is kind of a lightning rod for people in what I think is the most deliciously timely sort of way. Well, I mean, I think that the, the thing that sort of confuzzled me is that i didn't know that it was a lightning rod well it it sort of is 
for people who pay attention, it's I don't mean that I don't mean you. I mean like the thing is as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, it's this massively successful show that people are either watching or don't even know about. But it's the division between those two things, which is, you know, the polarization we've been talking about in the last eight years um, that that really comes to light. So there was this op-ed in The Times, another article about um, how, you know, like a lot of the liberal elites that comprise entertainment journalism, like have to apologize for liking it or explain away why they watch it, that sort of thing. Well, it was sort of interesting. Uh, the the op-ed was written by Tressie McMillan Cottom, mm-hmm. who is apparently a sociology professor with a column at the Times. Yeah. And um, she said, liberal audiences mostly ignore it. While liberal mm-hmm. audiences That's mostly I mean, ignore yeah. it, the soapy conservative prestige television juggernaut is gobbling up audience share. I didn't know that it was conservative prestige. I didn't even know there was a thing called conservative prestige I mean, TV, off, except for Fox up, News. Like, that's you know, their prestige Coin your terms however you want. <laughs> um, so I was kind of, like, looking at this like this is news to me. Because I think, like, I remember when we and, – and, of course, like, you know, it, her, 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 her sociological study was Twitter. Um, and yeah. – which – is problematic right there. Well, and she she kind of admits that, yeah. Yeah, she does admit that, fair enough. She, says she has like 220,000 Twitter she crowdsources for information. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it, it was just kind of like, yeah, and she does call it, you know, filter bubble bears witness, her filter bubble bears witness that whoever is in her group of people Twitter people, they, they all, nobody recommended Yellowstone except for one person who did it in a private deal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So nobody knew. Um, But I just, I guess like I I found this whole thing, like, like I said, I didn't know it was a controversy, but it was like, I, I found myself kind of scratching my head over this because I, you know, when, when, when I told you about Yellowstone, I distinctly remember saying, you have to watch this show. It is succession with horses. Yeah. And that is what it is. And people love succession. Um, and no, but like with some overlap of reservation, but yes, succession is the, is the smart show that it's okay to fawn over. And Yellowstone is, it's not okay to fawn over it in certain circles at the moment. But I was just, I like I said, you could have knocked me over the, with a feather when I was like, "Wait, I didn't wait what?" Like I know that it didn't get any Emmy love, right? And I know that we had talked about that, and I think it was because it has the whatever, however many million people are watching it. Because um, then, then you had brought up like NCIS. So many people watch NCIS that doesn't get nominated for anything. You, you know, there are plenty of shows out there that tons of people watch and they're just crowd pleasers or whatever. And the Emmys don't like them. Yeah. And the Emmy voters are in either overlap with, or like are in some way informed by the very like um, coastal liberal elites or whatever it is that she, she refers to them as in her uh, op-ed. I can't remember bubble. My bubble leans coastal elite. Um, there, you know, like there is overlap. It's yeah. Uh, 
one of the Vulture TV writers, maybe a year or two ago, wrote a similar article about like how I learned it's okay to watch Yellowstone or what the show really offers despite its uh, like first appearance, that sort of thing. And I'm like, you know, it's the Bill Maher in me, which is why I agree with him. But I end up being like a no bullshit kind of guy. Like good is good, rich is rich. And I will seek out the good. I will find the depth. And if there isn't that in something, uh, I'm not going to overpraise it. I may not keep watching it. Uh, And Yellowstone is an eminently watchable show that doesn't pretend to be something it's not, but that has a lot of entertainment riches to offer. Like we said, in the form of of the writing, in almost all of the performances, in all of like the technical aspects of the show, the show is a huge juggernaut and shouldn't be ignored and people shouldn't be judged for liking it. I agree with that. I think what threw me too with this op-ed is that, you know, she did say that, that he cast conservative favorites like Kevin Costner, which I was like, I had no well, idea Costner was conservative. Like this was like news to me, right? But then she went on and said Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw, who are not on Yellowstone, they're yeah, on the, which was I was like, you know, and the eighteen eighty six or whatever that show is. I don't know about that. I couldn't get past the first twenty minutes of that show, so I'm not going to watch it. And it could very well be, um, you know, because everybody, you know. I guess conservatives love Bonanza and it has that ring to it, you know? (laughs) Um, So, but, but I, you know, but, but I was like, wait, 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 he, he, they're not in this show. They're not in Yellowstone. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a a misattribution attribution, but um, you know, I've not seen 1883 uh, and I've only seen, there's a couple scenes with what's his name, Tim McGraw that like, eventually lead you to 1883 in Yellowstone proper. And I don't care. I'm not going to follow them over. Um, oh, I didn't even but, realize that. I don't even remember him being in it. But yeah, I guess I wouldn't know Tim McGraw if he bit me in the ass. Frankly. Well, and you might only know it because Faith Hill was on. But if you don't know that it, that was Faith Hill. In those I had no idea that was Faith Hill. I had no idea. Uh, but, you know, and it's funny because even Sam Elliott, like among other things in, in that Mark Marin interview, talks shit about Yellowstone. He's like, I never saw the show. I don't need that soap opera bullshit, but 1883 is good. So I guess there's to some a difference between the, the, the two series. Um, but yeah, the thing, like Kevin Costner keeps getting caught in the middle just by doing this show because I think people think he's a real conservative kind of actor. He's done a lot of movies that both you know people that vote blue and people that vote red and everyone in between loves over the course of his career he's from southern california he's a very pronounced democrat yeah i was um, gonna say why do people he think does, he's a conservative because, because he's done you know wyatt earp and all these westerns and and you know the marine and stuff like that he appeals to other people like because he, he does did water world my favorite movie <laughs> Your favorite, which I actually really <laughs> like that movie. I think that I movie got a really bum deal. I like it a lot. I love um, that movie. Well, like there's so many of his movies that are and that are so versatile that that I love. Whether it's you know like Bull Durham or No Way Out or Field of Dreams All or right. even like The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard. Exactly. Um, so you know like 
we're sort of like reverse engineering the story of Kevin Costner's life. And we're also, not we, people that dismiss it. And I think she says this in her op-ed about the the showrunner, um, Taylor Sheridan, that, that he's like, the people who think it's a red state show, like, aren't really paying attention or don't really watch it. Because it's very clearly like, evenly portioned when the wealthier white people are in control and are on the side of good and are not you know the indigenous characters are often yet not always on the right side of things and Mm -hmm. are are often driving the more interesting storylines we have characters of color we have you know cowboys and ranch hands of color we have you know powerful people in law and government of color that are that are all featured throughout the show it does all the things that tv should do i'll also say it does all the things that tyler perry and shonda rhimes get credit for doing on their shows um but they don't write shows about cowboys so they don't write shows that take place on ranches you know that that the optics of that threaten a lot of people who wield the power of the pen and that's why Yellowstone it, it, like leaves people who don't get into it with a bad taste in their mouth. I think. I think. Oh wow! The 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 it came in my brain. It went out my brain. Whatever I don't thought know. you just had, I'm sure, was amazing. I know it was so smart. Um, well, one of the things that I was sort of thinking about because you know, and maybe it was because Taylor Sheridan was actually on Sons of Anarchy, right? Like, mm-hmm. what... I don't remember Kurt, Kurt Sutter, right? Yeah, Kurt Sutter. Kurt Sutter, yeah. Getting shit for Sons of Anarchy. Well... Did he? No, but people weren't 15 guess, years ago out yeah, to, to nail people. Yeah, 15 years ago, it was so long ago. It the was so long ago, yeah. Was, like, yeah. now everyone is looking for the slight and out to, yes, but... Every single thing. Uh, Also, Sons of Anarchy had a following, but it didn't have um, like a phenomenon type following the way Yellowstone does. The way Yellowstone does. does, But we weren't, we just weren't, we weren't polarized. We didn't have those conversations 14, 15 years ago. We didn't. Oh, I just remembered. Kind of. Wait. Oh, shit. No. Oh, my God. Karen, it has to be there. It's somewhere looking right under the surface. Oh, my God. It comes in. It goes out. Your point is so brilliant. Well, what I love about Yellowstone, and again, this is what Succession does as well, is that all of these people, with the exception of maybe Casey, but even then, are horrible. Every one of these characters on this show pretty much do horrible things. And Unabashedly so, psychotic. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you end up, and so you, but at some point during the episode, you still end up rooting for them. Oh, yeah. 100%. And then they do a thing and you're like, why am I rooting for you? And then the cycle starts all over again. And it's the same thing with Succession. And that's why I like the show so much. That's you know? why I like the show. And it's also, to me, the most realistic portrayal of people. Yes. Because Almost everyone I've ever encountered in life, coworkers, roommates, friends, whatever, have had horrible traits, unforgivable traits that you ultimately end up finding ways to forgive because they also do nice, genuine, heartfelt, good, relatable things. That's what basic humanity is. That's what drama is supposed to represent. Except for me. I, I'm no, not you've never been flawed. I've never that's, been horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's actually I'm true, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I've never been horrible. Um, but yeah, no, and, and, and again, it's, you know, because I don't think Taylor Sheridan is writing these characters and giving them a pass. No, but I, I think his primary objective is truly to entertain. Yeah, I think he I, wants I agree them with that. to do wild and crazy things that keep us watching. They are not supposed to represent anything. That's not the world he's interested in. Right, I would agree with that. And I mean, and I'm sorry that character Beth, and I and I do know that she, the the op-ed writer poked at um, the portrayal. Actually, who, the actress, I, I just spaced her name. Um, Kelly Riley. Kelly Riley. Yeah, I, 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 if I remember correctly, the op-ed kind of poked at Kelly Riley's portrayal of Beth, or maybe it was yeah. in the comments I, uh, that accompanied the article. But and I just thought that that was colossally unfair because I think she is doing a tremendous. She's giving a tremendous performance. Yeah, I think she's excellent. I mean, it's a wonderful performance and not an easy one because no. that character is like whiplash. She she changes, you know, she just like changes on a dime. That character in another performer's hand would you would hate her and force her to be written off the show. But it's like candy. You keep coming. You want to come back for more. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she does. I think she really does amazing, intangible work with it. Have um, you gotten to the point? You must because you only have a couple of scenes, a uh, couple of episodes left. Um, where you're, you're at the point where she has she brings in that little boy, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, did you get to the part where she takes him shopping? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh. Which I which I struggle with actually. Really. Well, yeah, because so there's the storyline. Um, where she basically takes in this uh, like 12, 13 year old kid who's orphaned who she has met um, and she takes him shopping and then she just goes off on him. And I'm not sure her going off on him is earned. It's frustrating to me. Um, and they keep, they keep that thread through the season where he's kind of like got to re-earn her trust. And I don't really know what it, it is he violated there. It wasn't earned. And I think that was the point, right? Like he, she flew off the handle. And I think the point was he did what a kid, he did what kids did and she flew off the handle and basically behaved like her, her mother behaved, right? Like her mother was pretty cruel to her. If I remember correctly, you know? Yeah. She, I think she was really cold. Yeah. 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 And she kind of had, I think the reaction that her mother would have had with her and so, so I, and so I think it was that, that part of it coming out and her being like, oh yeah, no, I can't, I can't have this child. I can't have this thing. Look at how terrible he is. Cause the kid really didn't do it. It was like, he wanted, uh, he wanted, he wanted something. a certain kind of shirt. Yeah. He wanted a certain kind of shirt that was a little expensive and Rip had said to Beth before leaving, like, don't spend a lot of money on that kid. Like, you know, he doesn't agree with what she's doing. He thinks the kid should just get, I don't know, like handed clothes off the like goodwill or yeah. something like that, you know? Um, and, and she's like, no, no, I'm going to take him shopping. And the kid kind of pushes for something that he wants. And, and Beth goes berserk on him. And it was just sort of like this, I don't know. To me, I, I just sort of like saw it as definitely part of her character where she kind of was like the stick and the carrot with her. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and boy, did that kid get the stick, yeah. you know, and just because he did not do what she asked, 
and he, and she flipped out because if if you don't do what she wants you to do her this is how she behaves because you see that with business in with her in business and you you know this is this is her and she is a really ugly person yeah yeah definitely with no apologies although i think my favorite scene of the entire series so far is also one of hers um and it's from season three. It's the one when her sister-in-law, who is indigenous, is falsely accused of stealing something at a local jewelry oh, store. Oh, when she goes into the... And Monica yeah. calls her in and she lets that piece of trash woman who framed her and called in the cops and made them do a strip search and she lets her have it. That is, for me, hands down, the best scene so far yeah. in the entire show. Yeah, that was really wonderful. That, that, was, that was fantastic in that, um, in that moment. It was, it was like the pretty yeah. woman scene. Mm-hmm. Where she goes, yeah. you know, very, very it had similar. that, yeah. you know, it had that sort of like, you know, but you but, don't have that many opportunities to really like sock it to someone who deserves it. Yeah, but yeah. very, you know, very, really violent, and you know, yeah, it was, it was really fantastic. No, I mean that woman is a force. She's an absolute she force. Is. She is. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's also really there's real skill to what Kelly Riley does. But yeah, my thing about the show is is that its primary. Um, uh, reason for being is to entertain before it is a political show in any way and that's why i think it's so successful and it's like it's not there's nothing to even question about it you know values wise or anything it's a really carefully constructed universe that keeps you wanting more and i don't think it needs to be uh, uh that it needs to apologize or needs forgiveness I agree with but that. But I know a lot of people have it up their butt about that show. Yeah, I had I, I had absolutely no idea. I had no clue. I had no clue that that, that it that was like a thing. It disappoints me, but what are you gonna do? I know. But I did know, well, I found out the terminalist also is having some problems. Well you're and I haven't seen that on Amazon Prime, so you're gonna have to fill me in. Yeah, so I have seen it. So the terminalist is with a Chris Pratt. Who is paying, uh, playing a Navy SEAL? Uh, who his platoon is ambushed at a covert, like a very high stakes mission somewhere in the Middle East, um, and he is having sort of like memory lapses. And so mm. when he comes back home, he's kind of like dealing with the fact that his he lost every single man in his platoon. Um, he doesn't really know what happened and why the op mm-hmm. went bad. Um, and, and on top of it, he can't quite remember exactly what was going on while things were going bad because his memory is, is sort of fucked with. Right. Yep. And so, um, th- this is going to be very, very spoilery, but it sort of happens like at the very beginning of the episode, um, it's like he has this sort of like paranoia, like I, th- I feel like people are following me and, you know, and, and he finally, his wife finally convinces him, like, you need to go get your brain checked because something is going on here that's not right. And while he goes to the doctor to like get scanned and he's like in the scanner, um, the entire medical office gets slaughtered. Oh. because somebody's come after him. And so he comes out of the MRI machine oh, and see. like get, and like tr- almost is assassinated, but he stops the guy 
whoever it is, you know, he's, cause he's a badass Navy SEAL and, um, and takes care of business there. And then for some reason he has, I don't remember why he has this aha moment and he's like, I've got to get home. And when he gets home and I thought this was ballsy, his wife and his kid are murdered. Ooh. I thought that was so ballsy. That was so ballsy. And so basically the rest of the season is spent with him trying to figure out wh- who murdered his wife and kid and then avenge that killing. And because he has this memory loss, like you're wondering, well, did he do it? Is there, is there that like memento like possibility? There's that, like, like always that possibility, like maybe he did it and you're not quite sure. And in the meantime, like while all this was going on, there is a journalist who is uh, sort of like trying to get the scoop on what what happened um, in the in in the Middle East with with his platoon, and um, and she ends up they, they have this sort of like uh, you know uncomfortable alliance where she's like trying to help him, but then it seems like maybe she's not, and you know so it goes. But but again, it's hard to know for sure because is it in his head and. Anyway, it's all very, very interesting. And also, speaking of Kevin Costner in Waterworld, Gene Triplehorn is in this. Oh, I was going to ask who else way. was in it. Oh. Yeah, so oh. it's Constant Wu is the journalist. Uh, J.D. Pardo shows up. Um, and obviously, Chris Pratt is the lead. Uh, Taylor Kitsch is his best friend, um, who kind of like tries to help him out. It is his best friend, right? Yeah, that's his best friend. So it's... It was, um, I, I can't say I loved it, but it was really interesting the way that it was done. And it kept me coming back because I wanted to see how it, how it wrapped up. So what's the controversial element? Well, I think that people are calling it like, like conservative porn because it's got the Navy SEALs and it's a lot of you know, it's it's a, so that's where we are now, right? Any, anything that like has military or police characters, people automatically categorize now as like some sort of conservative thing. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, it just is getting sort of like because it's sort of and the and the thing is, it it, it actually again, spoiler, I don't think it glorifies. Um, I imagine it doesn't. I don't think it glorifies the government or, or you know, conservative values or whatever in any way, shape, or form because it turns out the bad guys behind all the awful things that are going on are actually members, like the the big heads of the military. Sure. So it, it it like and 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 this is and this is like you know Chris Pratt is going in there to like take them down. You know, so, I mean, basically, you know, people are basically calling this, uh, apparently, some sort of, like, conservative. And, of course, it's, you know, sight unseen. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know if they've seen it or not. But, you know, but that's sort of, like, what, you know, what that, what people are saying, whether they saw it or not, I have no idea. Um, But I just was kind of, I was, I was a little surprised about that too, because when you think, especially when you think about what was the number one movie all summer long that did not have this kind of blowback. Yeah. Well, it had a little bit. If you actually looked on Twitter a bit, you'd see there was a lot of blowback and it's like for non-existent reasons, because it's a non-political, non-military movie. But, but yes, it had that top, uh, Top Gun has 
now made like it's like the sixth or seventh highest grossing movie of all time and stayed atop the charts all summer. And, you know, it hasn't become a firebrand for con- for uh, controversy. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I'm not on Twitter that much, so I don't see this like when the, when this controversy gens up, right? Like I don't see yeah. it, you know. So so it has to it has to make it off Twitter for me to know that right. a controversy right. is and happening. And then half happening. of these things don't, because half of these things only exist in a like one dimensional bubble. Right, but like the Yellowstone controversy, Yellowstone has is showed up more tangible. Of- yeah. Because of the op-ed. And then I did hear about people moaning about the terminal list. And I think I think even like maybe it was like NPR or something like that. Like it was that where people like it was it was like it was in the cultural conversation beyond Twitter, which is how I was like, really? People are mad at that show? Like I had no idea. Um, I thought it was okay. You know, um, and and so I was again like another one where I'm like, I'm a little surprised about this, especially considering I heard nothing, nothing about Top Gun. Just that everybody loved it. Yeah. You know, so, and and then I was wondering, did, people don't like Chris Pratt? Or is that a different Chris that they don't like? No, I think people don't like Chris Pratt. I was wondering if that might have something yeah, to do Yeah, I think with he's the Chris most people hate. Why? What'd he do? Uh, I think he, I think people feel he mistreated Anna Ferris in their divorce. Uh, oh, he's the Chris that was married to Anna Ferris. Yeah, and ended up marrying the Schwarzenegger daughter. So it's oh. like he really got to live like his childhood dream. Oh, okay. But people love him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and I think he's good in it. Um, you know, for someone who's completely non-trained, I think he's pretty good in these blockbuster movies that he's been handed. But um, he's probably a douche in real life. But my thing is we never really know what people are like off screen. Um, some of it is mere projection as to who we decide is a good guy or good lady versus bad guy, bad lady. Um, I th- and so I think that's what I think Chris Pratt is, you know, a victim of some of the personal decisions he's made in real life. But based on what I see on screen, I can't say that um, he was good on parks and rec too. Well, I know that um, the, this, show is based on a series of books written by Jack Carr. Um, And again, to go back to, you know, like that, like the other Amazon series that I really enjoyed, which was Jack, which was Reacher Mm -hmm. based on the Jack Reacher books by Lee Child. That didn't have, any controversy and there's something so look you know we're talking about like these are books that are sort of high octane thrillers um yeah. you know they have uh, these are the books that men usually read you know there this isn't virgin river um but the source material is quite good i mean it's like a it's like a it's like a la carre or like a you know it's it's I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't love Reacher by Jack Child, um, by, by Lee Child. That's actually, I don't actually like that book. Um, but, but obviously people do. He's, uh, you know, he's got a million books in that series and he's made a pile of money and everybody, you know, the people that love it really, really love it. And, and it's, it just is, and it, it just is like, again, and this is, this is what does bug me is it seems like it's a way to dismiss a genre 
that yeah. is yeah. that is it's a genre. Like this is this is genre. This is what genre is. Like this is genre. This the genre books this is genre writing. Yep. This is what it is. And so you know, and it's okay if you don't like it. Not you know. Some people don't. Some people want to read lit fiction. I don't know why, but you know, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but if that's like what you, if that's you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Go for it. But, but to kind of like, you know, shit all over these genre titles, I think is, I don't know. I think it's just unfair, and I don't know yeah, why I, that is. You know, because they're written so that people enjoy them. Yeah, first and foremost, that has to come first. Yeah, and and if you if you want to create work that you want to create that you don't really care if people enjoy it or not, and that's not your first concern, like there's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with that either. And if you can find an audience that loves that thing, more power to you. But don't shit on the thing that people that somebody created hoping that that audiences will like it, that they wrote it or they created it specifically to have audiences have have it be a, a vehicle of enjoyment for audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that exists to satisfy an existing audience. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes people just want to go and get entertained. Yeah. I mean, Alyssa and I say all the time, don't you just get exhausted being offended? hating things all the time isn't it just easier to not watch it and do something else with your life it it kind of reminds me and this is like on tiktok right like i see this a lot because obviously i'm on book talk um Mm -hmm. and in the romance world you know the 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 romance whether they're the book talkers that are are the you know the the readers on steroids right because they read they're the ones that read a book or two a day or it's the authors themselves. They'll be doing these TikToks about how, you know, kind of making funny fun of people for shitting on genres they like, like whether it's, you know, menage or, um, you know, or a trope, like, you know, like the, like forced proximity or something like that. And they're always, and people are always like, how can you read that smut? And, you know, and they're constantly kind of making fun of that and poking fun at that and saying, you know, things that we, we always get told. And it's just like really interesting to sort of like be on that side of things and see people being like, well, stop, you know, mind your business about what I'm reading, you mm-hmm. know, and then to turn around, you know, I, I read what I enjoy and I'm not, and I'm not apologizing. And then to turn around and also then see this controversy that's sort of hitting these TV shows um, and just kind of being like, oh, that that's not, it, it really should be in that spirit of yeah. I like what I like and this is just yeah. what I enjoy. Uh, coats. Yeah. That's how you know, it's not, it's not a snuff film. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that it's not obscenity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that it's like always like it, 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 this is a version on of yucking on someone's yum. Yeah. And, and I, and, and sort of like wrapped up in this political blanket that that I think really actually only exists simply so that you can yuck on someone else's yum. And that's it. Yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly. I try. <laughs> I try. And this is you being sleepy. I know, I'm exhausted. Mm. Anyway, you saw some stuff. 
Yeah, well, one of the things that I uh, I just finished watching the third season of Evil, which is also on Paramount Plus. Just like I've Melrose. been watching that. I've, I'm finally and catching I know, up with that. I know that you've I'm... begun watching, so I think at some point we should revisit when you're further along. Um, we can talk about it and see what it's what it's got going on in that world because I think they're doing an awful lot uh, in the world they've created. Um, and I don't want to say too much more about it until you've seen it because there's a lot to take in. Um, and then we could talk about it more like we did once I caught up to Yellowstone. Okay. Um, but I also saw, well, I went and saw a show that I'll talk about in a moment, but I also did see uh, a fairly new release, a movie that came out this summer, though it had been shelved like through all of COVID. Um, that's now on Peacock. And that's a thriller called The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, I think it's based on a short story by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Right. Um, Set in the late 70s in Denver, uh, and there's a serial murderer who is going around and kidnapping young men. And then, um, essentially, our main character, this young guy, is kidnapped by the Ethan Hawke character. Um, and the titular phone is in the basement of the house where this kid is held captive, awaiting a terrible fate. Uh, and he gets the phone doesn't work, but he gets calls on the phone and it seems to be other people who may be able to help him escape. And at the same time, our kidnapped protagonist has a younger sister who has visions uh, that may or may not also lead her to her kidnapped brother or be uh, allow her to be helpful. And, um, well, I'm not sure it all works. It conjures up that kind of lost innocence of 70s and 80s dumb really well, kind of like Strangers Things does. Um, but doesn't, I mean, there's no reason to have an actor of note, shall we say, like Ethan Hawke as the kidnapper, because that character is uh, really ill-defined. And um, in terms of rooting for this kid to escape, I was I was definitely on his side they you know it's successful in that but i was also never fully taken in by like the horror aspects of what what the ethan hawks character was capable of hmm. so if you have these uh if you have the streaming platform on peacock and you want to give it a try uh the black phone but otherwise and i had it had sort of been built up for me over the course of the summer a lot of critics that i tend to agree with sometimes esteem had said really positive things about it and and i think that that may all have been a little too much ado uh about the movie but i'm glad i saw it and i'm also glad i didn't have to spend extra money on it yay for not spending extra money <laughs> and then i saw a different kind of adaptation on broadway which is the kite runner which was a hugely successful novel throughout uh the 2000s and also begins in the 1970s but in kabul in afghanistan not in colorado um and it's about two childhood friends and one is very wealthy and the other is the son of one of his servants um so we have um the wealthy, the the Pashtuns versus the Hazara, and the 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 events are all narrated. It is a very faithful adaptation from the novel, but it is all pretty much narrated to us by our main character, uh, the wealthy um, Amir, and so he's played as an adult, even like by the same actor, um, whether he's an adult or a child 
speaking to us as an adult, but then narrating and acting out events of his childhood. Amir Arison is the name of the actor who plays Amir. Uh, I think he's best known for uh, years being on the TV show, The Blacklist. And he recollects his childhood um, and his his friend Hassan, who is much weaker, um, is really brutally attacked by some local bullies and um, Amir witnesses the attack and doesn't know what to do with the guilt. So he makes a couple really terrible decisions that ultimately end up exiling his his friend and friend's father from his father's house and their care, which is not a good time for them to be on their own in Afghanistan. Um, and that's just the beginning of the book and the story because luckily um, Amir and his father are able to relocate to San Francisco in the 1980s and he is able to have this wonderful life. He gets married. He uh, enjoys a career as an author and he's called back to Afghanistan. And it's there that he narrates again to us more. And we learn more about the fates of some of the other characters that he hasn't seen for several decades at that point. In fact, those events that uh, take place in his life uh, as an adult actually take place uh, right in the weeks, I think, uh, before September 11th, 2001. Um, and visually, it works. Musically, it's a straight play, but there is a lot uh, of music involved. Um, you know, it's a, a very appealing show sonically and visually in, in that regard. And some of the performers are quite wonderful. Aronson, as the main character, does a great job, but he's stuck with a a position he shouldn't have to have because as the narrator of the show, it's all tell and no show. So it's a stage play that is inherently untheatrical because he's telling us information. We're not watching him react. We're not watching him process. And a lot of the things that happen and a lot of the things that he learns that have happened are so hyperbolic that these are the stuff, this would be better off as a musical or perhaps even an opera because they're just so beyond the norm uh, of what one has to process in life. But but we learn them so matter-of-factly because he tells them to us so matter-of-factly. It doesn't do him any good as a performer because these are notes he should be able to hit dramatically. We should be able to watch him express how he is feeling and how he is changing and we spend more time just watching him inform us of what has happened and that's kind of a critical error uh i think but if you were a fan of the book then you get that story intact um so i uh, i think all in all i'm still a bit higher on the show than a lot of my cohorts are i think there may have also been some kind of uh snobbery it seemed like a bit of a elitist pylon there too Mm. um which we see happen more and more i see happen more and more these days um but the show is still slated to run at the hayes theater on broadway into october uh you can probably get some decent discounted tickets depending on how and where you look and how far in advance um and again the the cast does a very credible job with it so it's sort of like one thumb up and one thumb off to the side like i i came away it was sort of a show that i rooted for um but nonetheless, you know, have to cite what I think some of the larger flaws were. 
Okay. Well, I'm I'm good to hear it. I'm glad to hear that you didn't hate it because that was I, sort of I like definitely did not. Yeah, hate that it. that was no kind way, of yeah, yeah. That was the the sort of response that was kind of coming from. I thought like you know everybody was like this is terrible. Yeah, like, oh. no, there's yeah, the the show itself is not committing any crime, and I should say um, when the young character of Hassan is kind of brutalized, I think it's portrayed in a ultimately sensitive way if anything mm-hmm. the show overall is a little too aloof in its emotions but in terms of like anyone needing a trigger warning or anything i think the show is very delicate when it does treat some of the more uh harrowing aspects of what happens to some of the characters in afghanistan gotcha cool cool and that's the week that was that is the week that was well i'm gonna go to bed all right i wish you a great I night i'm exhausted Good. Get some rest. You've earned it. I have. All right. You guys, if there's anything you think we should be reading, watching, listening to, intaking in any way, let us know. Holla at us. Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. Give us a five-star review. Again, it was my birthday. A five-star review makes a great present. Um, But thanks. We hope you guys are staying well and enjoying your August. So take care. We'll see you next week when we are back on Hollywood Boulevard.